0: Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals.
1: So Rick, very warm welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. Uh, I met Rick over at a SHI summit over in New Jersey and I got talking to Rick about his uh, ITAM practice and he's very kindly agreed to join the podcast to share his experiences. So, so welcome, Rick. Do you want to introduce yourself um, and to, to the listeners?
0: Good morning, Martin. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, be speaking with you today. Uh, I am the manager of Global IT Assets for the Hershey Company. Uh, some of my responsibilities include managing Hershey's global strategy for IT asset management, including hardware and software. I also manage the company's IT asset portfolio, IT Asset Chargeback and IT
1: Asset Audit Process. Cool. Okay. And I remember specifically, Rick, we were talking, we had this uh, open workshop and we had a number of end users talking about different issues they had. And I remember specifically you talked quite uh, proficiently about your hardware reclaim process and the fact that you you had it, you what. to, to put it bluntly you had it nailed <laughs> from from what i could remember so um could we could we delve into that a little bit so you've said i've i've got your bio here and you've said that uh, you've improved the asset recovery and asset utilization by automating the recovery process for offboarding employees and recovering and redeploying assets and this is what you're describing at the summit you were talking about how you uh, you know, if if somebody was uh, finishing their career or they were moving on or whatever, that you had a great way of reclaiming assets. To, so, for the for the for the listeners and for the ITAM review audience, could you perhaps share what the process is? So, let's say that I've just left Hershey. What's what's the process?
0: Sure, I'll give you a uh, a little bit of a background. We've had a policy in place for a number of years that the manager was responsible for reclaiming uh, the equipment that an end user had when they were leaving the company uh, for whatever reason. What we found is that that policy was not being enforced. So when a policy is not enforced, it tends to be just a suggestion. So we looked at ways to automate the process for reclaiming assets for uh, individuals who were leaving the company. So what we did is our system is connected through SAP. When an individual terminates from the company, uh, their individual record in SAP is set to inactive. That inactive status then sends a notification to our system. Um, Our system identifies that that individual is leaving the company. And we send a notification, an email notification directly to the manager, identifying what assets that individual employee has. And then we also send a service request out to our support team to schedule a time with that manager to go and collect those assets. So,
1: so who, who owns the? Um, so, this is all kicked off from the SAP process and then kicks over to you. That's correct. So, so who, who owns that SAP process? Is that HR? Uh, HR yes,
0: yeah. HR owns the process. We have an offboarding process that a manager goes through when an um, individual has decided to leave the company um, and to kick off that, that process it starts within, within SAP. Right, so
1: assuming that that's accurate then everything's gets, you get notified, what, via email or something?
0: yeah we get a uh, we get a feed uh, direct into our our system, and it's identifying when an employee moves from an active status to an inactive status. It's a It's a control that runs every evening um, that, that we have coming over into our system.
1: Right. And do you mind me asking what what system are you are using for that? Sure. Um, we use
0: BMC Remedies AR system. Okay. Um, it's a system that we've had in place for a number of years. Um, it was built probably 13, 14 years ago in the in the original configuration, and we've made um, significant changes to the system and platform uh, to adapt as our as our business needs to adapt.
1: Right, right. So that's that's almost um, and and you you have a service desk in addition to that.
0: We we do. We have a we have a service desk. Um, that is separate outside of the uh, outside of the process. So anyone calling in um, can link directly can link directly to the service desk for issues, concerns, problems, those type of things, which then would kick off a, a separate request. Um,
1: right. So because many people would use BMC for the service desk as well, wouldn't they? But you're using it for our asset register. Yeah.
0: At at one point in time, uh, everything was integrated on the AR platform. Um, over time the Service Desk went into the SAP CRM solution um, and moved out of the AR system as they wanted to increase additional functionality um, you know being that, being that our system was 13 years old and 13 years and, and continuing um, in, in age they had separated from the the AR platform and went uh, to a line in the SAP side.
1: Cool, so say I've, using um, our example again, I've left your company uh, so the the note goes to my manager saying this is what we thought Martin had before he left the company. And then what happens?
0: So the note goes to the manager um, when the employee is exiting, uh, the manager has the list in front of them of what assets that were, that were assigned to that individual. Um, the manager goes through the checklist, recovers the PC, recovers the phone, the iPad, whatever that user may have had assigned to them. Um, And from that recovery the manager collects it and at the same time a a service request ticket goes to our support team. Our support team will then call the the manager who was in the exit process and schedule a time to pick up that equipment. The service team will then go pick up the equipment and they will go back into uh, the system and update that the assets have been returned and they are set um, to in transit back to you know back to our, our central warehouse that that manages all of the IT equipment. Um, and so once so, so it comes back into our inventory then the, the equipment is actually set back into inventory and can be redeployed to another user when the next user comes into the company.
1: Right. But but the the habit in you know, a the sort of um the, yeah, the the inbuilt habit for a lot of companies is for the manager to keep hold of it. Why why don't you uh, why do you not allow the manager to keep hold of it? Why does it come back to base?
0: So what we found was um, the the individual manager would collect the collect the PC and they would stick it into a dash drawer. And they said, well, I'm going to hopefully have another resource start in a couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks led into a month. Um, and then all of a sudden that manager may, may have forgotten about the asset they collected from, uh, from additional resource. And it really reduced our recovery time. So our inventory levels continued to decrease as all of these individual PCs and equipment were sitting in manager's desk drawers uh, versus sitting in our warehouse. So, we wanted to speed up our recovery time so as new requests came in, we we're able to rapidly deploy new equipment to new resources coming in. So, we wanted to avoid um, that equipment sitting in the manager's desk drawer, and, and over time, we tend to forget that it was there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you obviously you get to uh, patch and update that system once you've got it as well, don't you? Which you can't do
0: if it's stuck in a manager's drawer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the that's the other piece to the uh, to the solution that we had put in place. Um, we are actively monitoring all of our assets that are on or off network. Uh, we are doing that through SCCM. So we know when an asset has been logged into, we know when that last asset has received the policy update. So we also put in place a notification system that Identifies and allows us to see an asset that that may have not been returned or if it fell kind of without side of the process. So if a PC has been off the network for 20 days, we send a notification to the user and to the user's manager, and letting them kindly know that that PC has not connected to the network in the past 20 days. If they are not using that PC, then. Um, We're asking them to return it, if they are, we are also asking them to, you know, please ensure they're connected to the network and it provides a communication channel back to the, you know, the employee, the manager, um, you know, back to, you know, back to our team. If they fail uh, to make any updates from that 20-day notification, a second notification goes out at day 30 Um, and that notification is requesting that the equipment be returned. So if that asset has not been on our network or someone is not logged into that asset for 30 days, we're then asking for that equipment to be returned. We're also sending, we're also letting that manager know um, that if that asset is not returned within the next 30 days, um, that we will actually charge their cost center the replacement cost of the equipment. So that tends to get a manager's attention uh, very quickly <laughs> to let them know that there's going to be a charge if they don't return the equipment.
1: yeah so um, and all all of your IT is done on a department level, is it in like a charging wise?
0: Yeah in, in terms of a, in terms of a, a charge yeah it would it would go to the individual cost centers um, the individual manager's cost center that they're under. Yeah, We manage it from a global standpoint, and our larger IT chargeback is, is at a higher level, but we want to make sure that that impact um, for the utilization of the asset um, kind of hit where, um, where the asset was not being recovered from. Yeah,
1: and, and I know that you're quite hot on your metrics tracking this as well, Rick, so um, for the benefit of the, of the listeners, could you explain, you, you, you track... You know why? Why? What? Let me go back to basics. Why do you? Why are you so um, uh, efficient in terms of hardware reclaim? Why do you? Why do you reclaim them?
0: Uh, we're reclaiming assets because the problem that we had run into a few years ago is our inventory levels kept um, kept on reducing, and so uh, when a new person came on, we wouldn't have a PC available the day that they started. So we were quickly running out, purchasing lots of, you know, lots of additional PCs that was driving up additional costs for the company while all of these unutilized assets were sitting out in manager's desk drawers and sitting out within within the departments. Collecting those allows us to avoid um, any additional purchases of assets and really increases our percentage of utilization on the assets that we have already purchased uh, within, within our system.
1: And is that does that does that resonate with IT and the rest of the company? Do they get that? Do you do you do you hit them with any numbers, financials?
0: Um, we we do. So last year, um, twenty fourteen, we had a cost of avoidance of right around a million dollars. Um, so that number is tracked at a at monthly business review on the assets that we are recovering uh, through this process, the the, asset, the cost avoidances that we have and not having to purchase additional new assets. Um, so last year is right, right around a million dollars is what, what our cost avoidance was, that we didn't have to go out and purchase new equipment by having a good recovery process in place.
1: Right. And I, and I don't care how big your company is, a million dollars is a million dollars, isn't it? I mean, that's people's jobs. That's uh, that's a
0: lot of money. Yeah, we've we've gotten to the point where um, the asset team um, is is basically a zero cost to the company. So through the processes that we've been able to put in place, um, our team does not cost the company any money, um, based on you know cost avoidance and savings. Uh, that we have put in from from disposal of assets, so that's something we're really proud of. Yeah, uh, right. But bottom line, we, we don't cost the
1: company anything. And just out of interest, for for people that are just starting out on this journey, Rick, how long has it taken you to get to this level of maturity? And I say maturity because I consider you what you describe as quite a mature uh, practice.
0: So, so for us, I think it starts in having sound processes. Um, there were lots of policies in place that those policies were not being enforced. So I, I think one that starts at the policy level and then once you have a policy in place, you need to, you need to determine how you're going to enforce that policy. Um, for us, it was probably about a two-year journey uh, to get from where we were to where we are. Uh, once was identifying that there was an issue. In um, that uh, assets were were not being returned, um, assets were being underutilized. So once we identified we identified the issue, we started putting um, small you know small process improvements and, and changes in place, and and probably over a good two year period where we um, honed down what our processes were and and came up with a very good system. So from you know, ensuring that we had a policy, building out the processes, and then Getting the getting the communication out to our leadership team that was also uh, critical for us to ensure that our leaders knew what we were doing um, that the individual departments that we were going and sending updates and requesting information from that that was that was critical for us so having that leadership support um, allowed us to get to the end state that where we are today cool
1: and your asset tracking, as I understand it, it goes beyond just laptops and hardware, you're tracking mobile devices as well and I notice you're doing some smart stuff around data plans on mobile for the company. Could you explain what you're doing there and how that works?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, of the, one of the pieces that, that we realized after implementing the PCS tracking was mobile phones were also being recovered as a part of this process. Uh, the one Piece that people were overlooking was that data plans. Once a person had left, they would collect the phone. Uh, the phone would go back to our telecom department, but no one was actually uh, terminating those data plans. So, uh, for us, the, you know, at, at $30 a month per person per phone, uh, those charges kept on kept on hitting, and no one was no one was really looking at. Uh, terminating those charges. So we built in a process through our, our asset recovery uh, repro- process that when a mobile device came back, um, we were also terminating the data plans for those devices as well. Cool.
1: And I, I noticed that you're, uh, I'm reading through your bio here, and I, I noticed that um, you, you've done a lot of work in terms of uh, updating the asset register and keeping it accurate, and you're measuring the the time saved on asset reconciliation. Can you describe uh, and, and you've got a lot of detail here in terms of improved asset tracking and uh, PC ownership assignments? And um, uh, you've got what's the automated in transit notification process SLA for assets moving one location to another. So you seem quite hot on the asset register and keeping that accurate. Why? Why? First of all, why is that such a concern? And um, you know, why are you putting so much effort there? And how do you measure the saving? How do you? Is that also a cost saving area?
0: Yeah, that's that is a for us that's a, a direct a direct cost savings um, in hours. We have, um, I have folks who spend most of their day doing asset reconciliation, and our annual chargeback um, process has a has a significant amount of. Uh, reconciliation um, that it requires, because if you're if, if a PC is assigned to your department, your department is getting a charge for that PC. So when a PC changes hands, um, we want to ensure that our system is identifying who that PC has changed hands to. So our uh, client support teams are supposed to update the information when a PC changes hands from one user to another, but we also put a a, a fail safe in there. Um, We're identifying who is logging into that that asset. So if a PC has changed hands, but the information of the asset was not updated, uh, we're tracking who is logging into that PC. And so over a two week period of time, week period of time. If the user who is assigned that asset is not the user who is logging into it, um, then we're updating who that asset is assigned to automatically. So the example that I'll get, the example that I'll give you is if you're logging into an asset more than 20 hours per week um, over a three-week period of time, we're identifying you as the owner of that piece.
1: And is that is that sorry to interrupt, Rick? Is that SECM that's doing that? The primary user in SECM.
0: Yeah, SECM is giving us the primary use of that of that asset. So we adjusted what that threshold was within SECM. Okay. Um, to say you know, that's the twenty-hour mark. Right. Okay. Cool.
1: And I guess that saves you time because you have to spend less time fiddling with queries on internal charging bills, right?
0: That's that's correct. And when we send our uh, when we when we send you know our monthly charge updates out to our departments, and they're reviewing who has what PC, um, that information is a lot more accurate, and there's really minimal changes that actually comes back from any of the departments that, that we're charging for that equipment. Cool. And
1: I'm reading that you've um you've called it a second life program. Which which I love. What could you describe what you're doing there and uh, your 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 approach to uh, recycling or e waste? What what's the approach there?
0: So so um, a few years ago, we every single piece of of IT equipment we had a third party um, logistics company who would come in um, that we would pay to haul away our IT equipment. Um, when you know when i started looking at that process i I identified that uh that there's got to be a better way to do it and on occasion we would get some requests from outside local charities do you have access equipment so we actually built a program around all of our access equipment so um focusing on, you know, local charities, global charities that could use our equipment that, you know, for us it's, it's, a, it's a laptop that's four years old, um, but to a charity, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's a viable piece of equipment for them for the next, you know, five to six years. So we built a Second Life program that puts us in touch with the needs out within the community, so schools, uh, charity organizations, um, uh, local police departments, who who don't necessarily have um, all of the equipment, the the Second Life program allows us to donate um, our used uh, and end of life equipment to those local charities and local organizations. So, for us, um, there was also a cost savings to it. So we were paying a vendor to come in and and. You know, take away our e-waste. Um, instead, we were able to find second homes for
1: you know for our end of life IT equipment. But which is which is awesome. Um, I I love the approach. But you also surely have your data protection and your licensing and stuff like that to to worry about. Before say I I using my example before I've just left the company and you're gonna decide that my laptop is end of life because you've presumably got some sort of criteria or age of machine and then let's say that you pass it to a local police department, there's certain things you need to do before you do that. What, what are the fail-safes you have there to make sure you're, you're, you're acting properly?
0: So w- what we do is we have a, um, a mill standard uh, wipe procedure uh, and we're actually wiping those hard drives uh, three times. And then we will completely reimage that hard drive as well uh, with a with the donation image that takes it basically back to the to the original OS that was purchased okay. with uh, the PC. Right. We so
1: it's like it's like before, the OEM OEM version of the operating system or something.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Um, we also have a process that before any donations are made, um, our IT security team will come down and they will audit um, any Piece of equipment that we have going now. Most of our donations tend to be, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 machines at a, at a time. So our, our security team will come down. Uh, they will test uh, against the equipment, and then they will, you know, certify that the equipment is ready for for donation. So um, the wiping, the security audit, um, those things allows us to, um, to to enact that program.
1: Yeah. And I, I can just imagine that some of your kit that you consider out of date would be like state of the art to some of these companies. Um, so I'm, yeah, su- I'm sure they're absolutely. I'm sure they're very happy to receive it. So it's a great, it's a great program. Um, and uh, you've also said about uh, um, you've got a buyback program with vendors. How how does that work?
0: <coughs> so um, just. So the, the assets that do not go into the donation program, um, so I'll give you an example, uh, last year I think we donated somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 800 uh, laptops out to different charity organizations um, and, also, and also globally. Um, so the, the program is affecting you know, within, within Hershey PA, but it also reaches out to our global locations uh, around the world what we also established in addition to that program is so the assets that don't end up into the donation program uh, we did not want to put those you know again back on the pile for for e-waste recycling um so we found uh, second second tier markets uh that we can actually dispose of that equipment and recover some you know some basic costs so instead of us having to pay for the equipment, we're finding third parties who will actually purchase the equipment from us and they'll put it back out on secondary markets and, and they'll resell it through their channels. Um, so by we've established a you know a buyback program you know directly with our PC vendor. Um, we'll they we'll take you know if the PC is within X number of years, they will buy it back from us. Uh, so other third parties out there um, Third-party reverse logistics companies will buy our used assets, and they'll will put it back down to a market. Awesome. Um, so for for us, the the, the second piece is um, last year when we had a, a three thousand uh, unit PC refresh. Um, it we had absolutely no disposal costs, you know, for those assets that that, that came back. So it was a huge win um, for our company. We eliminated more than you know more than eighty five thousand dollars in, in e waste in, in just one project.
1: Yeah,
0: and, and just
1: for for perspective, what's the um, could you tell us the sort of size of the environment? Um, that you're managing, and the number of team, the, the the number of people you have in your ITAM team. Sure,
0: the uh, size our environment we're uh, we're less than ten thousand units. Um, so you know, seven to seven to eight thousand is a, a comfortable range on the on the PC side. So less than ten thousand units. Um, our ITAM team is made up of about seven individuals. Um, that the ITM team is, is more than more than just um, you know asset management. We also have we also have purchasing uh, in there, and we also have IT audit uh, for assets. So um, purchasing, we have about two individuals, uh, two and a half individuals who do purchasing for our team, and then um, I have a person who is dedicated full time to audit of hardware and software. And then I have a, a full person who is dedicated to chargeback and asset uh, reconciliation.
1: Right. So you're actually doing the procurement within ITAM,
0: are you? We are. Right. So from uh, so from from purchase to end of life, we manage uh, we can manage the full life cycle.
1: Cool. And I'm I'm also reading here about the fact that you've got on hand inventory levels. What what does that mean? What does that mean in your context?
0: So we look at um, everything that is kind of purchased for us globally. And instead of, you know, going out and purchasing for every single request, we we batch our requests. So with any given week, um, I, I know that you know, we're going to have, you know, on average, you know, 10 to 15 requests for a particular item. So what we do is we, we bulk purchase and we hold inventory levels of our most commonly requested items. So whether that's a PC, a mouse, a keyboard, a monitor, um, you know, an external hard drive. You know, all of those pieces we are, are maintaining and controlling inventory levels. So we have reorder points um, because we know within, we look at the lead times of how long it takes for us to uh, purchase a mouse and then receive that mouse and we compare that against what our demand is coming in on a on a weekly and monthly basis. So we hold those inventory levels constant that whenever a user uh, requests an item that we can have that item to that user. Um, in most cases in less than less than eight hours so from the time that they're requested to the manager approves it um, to it gets into our hands we're delivering that request to you uh, for items that we hold in inventory in in less than eight hours so in a lot of cases it's the same day so you need a mouse and in the afternoon that mouse is being delivered to you um, that
1: so, so, really can I, our, so, so can I ask a cynical yeah. question right because I think you guys have sure. got Hardware asset management nailed from 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 what you described. I think you're doing an awesome job. Um, and yet you're also doing procurement, and yet you're also focused on service and actually making sure that the hap- the user gets a a fantastic experience in terms of requesting hardware. Um, you're doing a you're doing a great deal there. Who whose idea was it to about the 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 request cycle is that was that a pain point in the past is that why you focused on it what what's the driver for doing that
0: yeah I think there there was a pain point in the past um, where a, a user would put a request in um, it would take three days to process that request it took uh, another three to four days of um, you know purchasing and then you know receipt of you know receipt of the item that they requested and, and so it was. Um, it was seven, seven to 10 business days before the user got what they needed. Um, and when I came into, you know, when I came into the team, um, seven days and when you needed it yesterday, um, that's, that's the tough, um, that's a tough position to be in. We want to ensure that, you know, our, you know, our end users have the tools that they need to do their job. And if I'm, preventing, if I'm preventing that from happening, then I'm not doing mine. So uh, we, we looked at how to improve that process and get the tools that the user needs into their hands so that they can do their job. So for us, yes, there was definitely some, some pain points in the past. Um, we survey every single user um, and ask them how was their experience. And in the past, when you you go back and you look at some of the historic surveys, that was a a pretty consistent uh, complaint. uh, It took seven days. It took five days. It took uh, longer than what they expected um, to get what they needed. So you have a user community who um, purchases something from home and they have it shipped to their house within two days. So there there was no reason why we couldn't be more efficient in our process um, that if a user requested it, we could have it to them uh, with uh, almost immediately.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what you're doing is world class. I mean, the, you're you're effectively, especially since you're a zero cost, you're effectively running a little business in the company, aren't you? And it's in your interest to be as uh, as useful and as uh, successful as you can for for the people that are using your service.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, we we are. Um, we are an entity unto itself, if you will, um, and you describe it well as it's you know it is it is almost a business within itself. Um, and we have we have internal customers and then we have our external customers working with our vendors. So we have to do that um, better uh, than than the experience that the user may be getting when they order something from from home. Um, again, enabling the end user to do, to, to focus on what they need to do their jobs, um, and you know that's that's our driving factor.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for sharing your uh, experiences. I think a lot of people are going to find that very interesting. And as I said, I think what you're doing is world class and uh, sounds ahead ahead of the curve from from a lot of organizations that I speak to. So well done.
0: Thanks, Warren. I Appreciate being on the podcast this morning. And, uh, you know, being able to share our experiences with uh, with the ITAM community. Um, I'm always open to uh, hearing from other ITAM uh, managers, and uh, I can always be contacted via, via LinkedIn.
1: Okay, thank you very much for your time.
0: Hey, awesome. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate it, Mark.
1: Okay, thank you, sir. Have a great weekend.
0: Hey, you too.